Is that... is it? I'm afraid it is. Blood. No doubt about that. Oh. Oh, easy, baby. Take it easy. But what's happened to the girl? Where is she now? And why did someone make up the bunk with clean sheets and blankets? I don't know why, but... Come on, Doctor. Let's lift the mattress. Oh, my. Good God. What is it? A razor. An old-fashioned cutthroat razor. Beautifully made. The handle's ebony with a design in chased silver. The head and shoulders of a man with a razor in his fist. A barber. There's something round his eyes. A bandage. A blind barber. Oh, that's horrible. Yes. The blind barber has been at work tonight. We present The Blind Barber, a Dr. Fell mystery by John Dixon Carr, dramatized for radio by Peter Ling, with Donald Sindon as Dr. Fell. Extracts from notes made by me, Gideon Fell, returning from an American lecture tour on March the 4th, 1938, on board the SS Victoria. The voyage out had been uneventful, but the return journey was packed with incident, so I thought it best to cable Superintendent Hadley, asking him to meet me in Southampton at the offices of the Port Authority. That's the last time I let you go gallivanting on your own. Oh, come on, it was hardly my fault. Oh, no. You should never have got involved with that young lady. What, what was her name again? Picky Glenn. And I did not get involved, if you put it. Then we got into conversation, briefly, on the voyage out. She was on her way to meet her fiancé in New York. And we found we were both coming back on the same ship. It was just an amusing coincidence. Mm. Nothing more. Oh, really? Yes, really. (laughs) And by that time, she'd made another friend, a man called Curtis Warren. Miss Glenn seems to have a talent for making friends. The sociable type, is she? Oh, yes. So is Curtis. He's coming over from Washington to take up a post in the U.S. consular service. One of those diplomatic stuffed shirts. Not not at all, no. He's a regular daredevil. I wonder how long he'll hold down the job. So do I. He only got it because his uncle is a big noise on Capitol Hill. But there was one famous name on board. I expect you've heard of Lord Sturton. The one they call the Hermit of German Street. Has no friends. uh, Collects rare jewellery. That's the one, yes. He had been in Washington to buy a particular item that was up for auction. Curtis's uncle Waldo happened to know the old boy. He told Curtis, and Curtis told the rest of us. We managed to catch a glimpse of his lordship when he came aboard. A doddery old goat with side whiskers cursing everybody in sight. (laughs) While his secretary steered him up the gangplank. And in his luggage was his latest prize, a fabulous pendant. The Emerald Elephant. 
I'd say it was priceless, except that it had a price, and Earl Sturton paid it. But, uh, unfortunately... Oh, don't tell me it's been stolen. Oh, yes. That's one thing I do know. And you know who stole it? Yes. I did. What? Well, in, in a way, we all did. After that, things got rather... confused. I think you'd better begin at the beginning. Yes, well... <clears throat> It began on the fourth day out. I'd been taking a stroll on deck. The wind was getting up and there were storm clouds gathering. And then I happened to meet Piggy. Dr. Fell, I was hoping I might find you. Splendid. We can keep each other company. I'm trying to find Curtis. Have you seen him? Well, not since this morning. Why, is something wrong? Oh, we arranged to meet for tea in the lounge, but he never turned up. I hope he's all right. Perhaps his watch is stopped. <laughs> but it's not like him to... Oh, here's someone. Excuse me, Doctor. Uh, could I have a word, sir? Certainly. What is it? Uh, Mr. Warren would like to see you in his cabin, sir. What's happened? Is he all right? Well, no serious damage, madam, but I think someone hit him. I left him sitting on the floor with a towel around his head and a bit of cinema film in his hands, swearing something handsome. Come in. Let me see. Oh, don't touch. It's sore as hell. I'm sure it is. You know, what's been going on? Who did it? Who attacked you? I don't know. That's the trouble. Mind you, I didn't even know I had the darn thing. I thought I got rid of it. Look, lie down on the bunk and we'll fetch the ship's doctor. I haven't got time for that. See this bit of film? Hold it up to the light. What do you see? Not a great deal. He seems to be a dignified, white-haired old gentleman. In a dinner jacket. His mouth's open. Is he making a speech? And how. That's my Uncle Waldo. It's a home movie I shot at a party for his friends. Senators and such like. They were knocking back the booze and making speeches. When I got to Uncle Waldo's turn, he just let rip. <laughs> you mean he told them what he really thought? Oh, didn't he just? First the government, then he got on to world politics and gave his opinion about the top men in Germany, France and Italy, with advice on foreign policy telling them what they could do with their battleships. <laughs> well, don't laugh. This could start another war. And in the hands of a determined blackmailer... Yeah, you're right. It's no laughing matter. But someone deliberately stole the film. Let me tell you what happened after the party. I should think Uncle Waldo had a hangover. And then some. When he got on the phone, I said I'd send him the film so he could destroy it. But, well, I, I wasn't at my best that morning. Somehow I got the cans of films mixed up. I sent him some cute shots of animals in the Bronx Zoo. Only I didn't discover that till today. Discover it? How? I had to go to the radio room. There was a cable for me. The radio operator read it out. He said it was either in code or someone had gone crazy. It said, Checking film. Very anxious. They look like bears. Where is real real? Two reels? Different spelling. Oh. At first, I couldn't make it out, but when it hit me, I ran down to check the films I'd brought with me. And I found someone in here opening up the cans. But you didn't see who it was? The curtain was drawn over the porthole. It was pretty dark. But I grabbed the film and hung on like grim death. That's when he bought me over the head with a blackjack. When I came to, he'd gone. Uh, mm -hmm. I had half the film in my hands, but what he's got is still dynamite. You must tell the captain. Get him to search the whole ship. No. No, I must get the film back without anyone finding out. I've got to find the guy that stole it. 
But how did he know about the film? I didn't even know about it myself. That cabledram. The operator read it aloud. Was anyone else there who might have heard it? Sure, there were other people around, but they couldn't possibly have understood it. Unless someone else knew that film existed. Someone on board this ship who overheard the message and decided to take a chance. Mm. Do you think he might come back to get the rest of the film? Or if he does, I'll be ready for him. That's right. We'll tell everyone we found you lying unconscious. We can say you've been drinking and you fell over and hit your head. Oh, great. There goes my career in the diplomatic service. I was only trying to help. No. No, wait. You could say I fell over when the ship started to roll. It's getting pretty rough now. Say that I must be left alone, undisturbed, then he might try to sneak back. Well, suppose he does. Well, how will we catch him? There's an empty cabin next door. We can lie low in there till we hear him. Then I'll go out and beat the living daylights out of him. How about that? I had grave doubts about this plan, and I said as much. But my companions were determined, and in the end, I agreed to help them. At dinner time, we left Curtis in the empty cabin. We had been invited to join the captain's table, uh, but by now there was a gale blowing. There were only four of us at the table. Peggy and I, a Captain Whistler, and uh, a Mr. Kyle, a Harley Street brain surgeon. Uh, Peggy apologized on Curtis's behalf and gave them her version of events. Sorry to hear that. Knocked himself out, eh? Oh, yes, Captain. You shouldn't keep the floors so highly polished. It's very dangerous. I hope you're not suggesting we're responsible for the accident. Our shipping line has an excellent safety record. Really? Well, what about the night the SS Gigantic went down? Perhaps you could lower your voice a little. We don't want to start a panic, do we? But in a rough sea like this, accidents could easily happen. Don't you agree, Mr. Kyle? Mm, yes, uh, we seem to be in for some dirty weather. Though they do say the skipper of the Gigantic was drunk when he hit that poor whale. I hope you're not a heavy drinker, Captain. <laughs> Steady on, my dear. No, Miss Glenn, I most certainly not. Oh, good. It's just that you seem a bit jumpy. Jumpy? I expect you're anxious about Lord Sturton and his emerald elephant, and I don't blame you. After all, if there were a jewel thief on board planning to steal it, as the man in charge, I suppose you'd be held responsible. Uh, we're not discussing my problems. We were talking about Mr. Warren. Uh, were you there when the accident happened, Dr. Fell? Uh, no, but I saw him soon afterwards, and he did have a nasty lump on the back of his head. Mm, I trust it didn't do any serious damage. Uh, what do you think, Mr. Kyle? You're a specialist in... Uh, I'm a uh, surgeon, not a physician. But from all I've heard, it sounds to me like a mild case of Lagensis pullibus. Oh, dear. I oh. dare say he'll soon recover. Well, I certainly hope so. And now I must leave you. Oh. If you'll excuse me. Duty calls. Yes, of course, Captain. <laughs> a word of advice. You shouldn't tease the Captain. I don't think he appreciates it. I did try to warn you. And by sheer chance, you touched him on the raw. It seems there really is a criminal on board. Really? What makes you think so? The captain told me before you joined us he'd just received a cable. It mentioned a suspect responsible for the Stelly job in Washington and the McGee killing. 
The FBI believe he's traveling under an alias, and they advised him to keep an eye on possible suspects. Because of Stetton's priceless emerald. Mm. The captain offered to keep it in a safe, but the old boy's famously eccentric and stubborn as a mule. However, uh, I think the captain's trying to persuade him to change his mind. Doctor, don't you think we'd better go and tell Kurt... I mean, make sure he's all right. Oh, yes, uh, perhaps we should... I don't know anything about the McGee killing, but I heard about the Stelly affair because the British Embassy was involved. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me. Stelly was a well-known British jeweller, first-class chap, designed necklaces for royalty. He was staying in Washington, and the British ambassador asked him to reset a necklace for his wife. He was found some hours later, propped up against a lamppost, with the back of his head smashed in. And no sign of the necklace. So, Curtis got off lightly. Just a nasty headache. But he wasn't attacked by a jewel thief. Your blackmailer only wanted a reel of film. Well, so we thought. But when Peggy and I rejoined Curtis in the, in the cabin, he disagreed. I bet this guy came across my film by accident. He was probably looking for valuables. But you haven't got any jewellery. For all he knew, I could have had a pair of platinum cufflinks. Oh, wait till I get my hands on him. Don't be silly. The man's dangerous. <laughs> I thought I heard. What? The door to your cabin. It opened, but I didn't hear it shut. What was that? Sounds like a girl. I I thought she said... What? I I know it's crazy, but it sounded like she was calling me. Come on. There, lying in the doorway of my cabin. Mr. Curtis Warren? She's passed out. Who is she? How do I know? She looks like she could be Greek, like the profile on an old Greek coin. It's the same method. A blow to the back of the head. You don't mean she's... Oh, no, no, no. It's just a slight concussion, I think. Give me a hand, Doc. Let's get her into the empty cabin. Right. One, two, three, up! That's better. I've made her as comfortable as I can, but she's still bleeding a little. Kurt, you must fetch the ship's doctor. But why was she trying to get into my cabin? Are you quite sure you don't know her? I'm certain. Except I've, I've got a feeling I've seen her before somewhere. But I can't remember. And that was your cabin door shut. Damn, he's come back. There he goes. Who is it? Whoever he is, he's got my can of film. Come on. He's going out on deck. The ship was pitching violently. Trying to give chase down that lurching, tilting passageway was like being a ball on a pin table. We followed him outside into another world. A world of darkness, gale force winds and crashing waves. I tried to warn the others. Be careful! Hang on to the rail! But the wind tore my words away. For a moment I was blinded by stinging spray. But then I saw... The outline of a man. Curtis saw him too. I'll get you this time! And he launched himself at the villain. The metal tin fell from the man's grasp and skidded across the deck. Peggy caught it just before it rolled overboard. It was half open, and as she peered inside, her face changed. I don't believe it! The circular box was not made of tin, but of steel. Inside, 
on a cushion of white satin was a green beast with ruby eyes and a golden chain. At that moment, Curtis rejoined us. What the hell? That's not my film. Uh, no, it's the Emerald. But you got the thief. Sure, right on the button. Lifted him clean off his feet. Oh, he's out for the count. And he won't get far. I wedged him under the lifeboat. Uh, let me see. It's a hero. He caught the thief. I'm afraid not. This is Captain Whistler. He must have persuaded Lord Sturton to keep the emerald in the ship safe after... I think he's coming round. Oh, he'll think I was stealing the elephant. He's never going to believe me. Don't worry. Leave this to me. What? What happened? Oh, I think I broke my jaw. Oh, thieves. Murderers. Oh, Captain, now whatever have you been doing? No, don't move, stay where you are. Have you been drinking again? No, I have not been drinking. Oh, my head. Oh, stop fussing over me. Where did he go? Try not to worry. I'm sure it will all be all right. But where's the box? Where is my elephant? Your elephant. I knew he'd been drinking. Then, luckily, some of the crew arrived, and we left the captain to their tender care. But another shock awaited us. When we returned to Curtis's cabin, the rest of his film had gone. And when we looked in the cabin next door, the injured girl had gone too. But it doesn't make sense. We left her here. She must have made a pretty swift recovery, unless she was faking it all along. But why would she? Suppose she was sent as a, a decoy to lure us away and give the thief time to get into my cabin. No, no, no. There was nothing fake about her injury. But the sheets and blankets aren't even creased. Well, it's as if she never existed. Look at the pillows. There isn't a spot of blood on them. Blood? What's that about blood? The captain had returned, and he was highly suspicious. We told him as much as we could about the missing girl. I admit it sounded rather improbable, but when Peggy promised we'd help him find the emerald, he brightened up. Very well, I'm a fair-minded man. I'll give you one more chance. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. And so will my Uncle Waldo. But I'm warning you, you have 24 hours to find that emerald elephant and the vanishing young lady, or there'll be trouble. At least we didn't tell him about the missing film. Now all we got to do is find it. And the elephant. Oh, but that won't take long. Ah, oh, yes. Where did you hide the jewel box? Oh, that was easy. As soon as the captain started to come round, I posted it inside the nearest open porthole. In someone's cabin? Wasn't that a little risky? No. When we find the number of the cabin, we just... You go mean you don't know the number? Don't be silly. They don't have the numbers on the outside. But it must have been either 405 or 406. Unless it was 407. Or 408. Well, my cabin's 407, and this is 408. Well, then it's either 405 or 406. Tomorrow, we'll check the passenger list to see who's in those cabins. And then we'll look for the missing girl. She can't have gone far. I hope you're right. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? What do you mean? You're wondering why someone went to so much trouble to change the sheets and blankets. You think there might have been more blood later. You mean 
Someone came back into the cabin and... Let's get this bedding off. Pillows, blankets. I, I want to take a look at the mattress. I hope very much that I'm wrong, but... Dear God. Oh, is that... Is it... I'm afraid it is. Blood. No doubt about that. Easy, baby. Take it easy. But what's happened to the girl? Where is she now? I don't know, but... Come on, Doctor. Let's lift the mattress. There you go. Yes. Oh, my. Good God. What is it? A razor. An old-fashioned cutthroat razor. Beautifully made. The handle's ebony with a design chased in silver. The head and shoulders of a man with a razor in his fist. A barber. There's something round his eyes. A bandage. A blind barber. Oh, that's horrible. Yes. The blind barber has been at work tonight. Well? Go on, you can't stop there. What happened next? What did you do? Mm, nothing. I mean, nothing of any importance. I managed to get hold of the passenger list, and I studied it carefully. Then I went to bed. You discovered the traces of a terrible murder and you did nothing. Didn't you report it? Well, what good would that have done? We had no proof, only a very shaky theory, with several gaping holes in it. But you were taking a gigantic risk. The murderer might have got away. <laughs> in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? Uh, he'd have had to be an exceptionally strong swimmer. <laughs> there were 24 hours before the ship docked, and in that time I intended to find the blind barber and hand him over to the authorities. Only it, uh, it wasn't quite as simple as that. You amaze me. Well, besides, once the story got out, it would have swept through the ship like wildfire, starting a panic among the passengers and putting the barber on his guard. However, I did find this passenger list rather interesting. Well, let's have a look. Uh, which of the two cabins your young lady referred to? The ones where she might have posted the jewel box through the porthole. Yeah, 405 and 406. Yeah. As you see, 405 was occupied by two Sisters of Mercy on their way to Rome. And 406... Mr. I. M. Kyle. The brain surgeon? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yes. Uh, Curtis said he would speak to Mr. Kyle uh, very tactfully and suggested I might make myself known to the two good ladies. Uh, next morning, when I entered the dining saloon, I found Curtis having breakfast with Mr. Kyle. Hi there. Come and join us. Oh, thank you. Good morning to you. And Mr. Kyle? Perhaps you can enlighten me, Doctor. I can't quite make out what this young man is driving at. Something about a parcel. Well, a, a sort of parcel. More of a box. A, a metallic-type box. Which he seems to think might have flown into my cabin during the night. He's too polite to say so, of course, but I think he suspects me of stealing it. Oh, no, 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 no nothing of the sort. I, I just thought you might have uh, overlooked it, that's all. Overlooked a metal box crashing into my cabin? It's true I'm a sound sleeper, but I don't think I'd miss a thing like that. So you sleep soundly. You weren't disturbed by any other noises during the night? Any nocturnal toings and froings? Not a thing. 
I'm sorry I can't be more helpful, but as I've finished my breakfast... Oh, before you go, I've been trying to remember where I've seen you before, and I think I've got it. Yesterday, in the wireless room, weren't you there, waiting in line? I sent a cable to my registrar at the hospital, but I don't see what that has got to do with you. Uh, Nothing, nothing at all. I'd like to get these little things cleared up. You know how it is. I'm glad I was able to set your mind at rest. Good day, Doctor. Uh, Good morning. That's what you call handling things tactfully, is it? Well, he's obviously our man, isn't he? He was there when the radio operator read out Uncle Waldo's cable. He's the one who stole my film. And now he's got the darned emerald as well. He's one of Scotland's leading medical men. He's hardly likely to moonlight as a thief and a murderer. Oh, no. Remember Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? I also remember Dr. Jekyll was a character in fiction. And Kyle has an alibi. What? I'd be to see the Sisters of Mercy. They're next door to Mr. Kyle, and they hardly stepped a wink, because the wretched man snored all night long. And Peggy couldn't have slipped the box into their cabin, because they keep the porthole shut for fear of drafts. They're in the clear, and so is Kyle. It must be a mistake. They must have heard somebody snoring in a different cabin. I tell you, Kyle's guilty. Beg pardon, gentlemen. Uh, Captain Whistler's compliments, and he'd like to see you in his stateroom as soon as possible. The sooner the better. I've got a few things to say to the captain myself. I tried to persuade him not to go at it like a bull at a gate, but the moment we walked in, he poured out the whole story. Apart from the details of Uncle Waldo's cinema debut, of course. When he'd finished, the captain told the purser to search the ship from stem to stern for any traces of the missing girl. Then he turned to us, looking very grim. I take it you have not recovered the missing emerald? Well, no, not yet. Pity. When I find the ruffian who attacked me, he's going to regret it. Uh, Yes, I'm sure he is. But I can tell you who's got the emerald right now. Curtis, I really don't advise you to... You know who he is? Are you sure? Absolutely. I've just been talking to him. Mr. Kyle, the so-called brain surgeon. Now, just Ah, one moment. You think so too, eh? Mm -hmm. So do I. I beg your pardon? This cable arrived half an hour ago from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Victim auto accident picked up outside Washington, Jan 25th. In coma till yesterday, still incoherent, but claims to be passenger aboard your ship. Federal agent thinks also, medical specialist on your ship, man responsible for Skelly and McGee jobs. Very important person, must be no mistake. Medical specialist, what did I tell you? There's no other medical man on board except the ship's doctor, and I've known him for years. I knew it. I knew Kyle was the guy who bought me over the head in my cabin. He did what? I thought you fell and hit your head accidentally. Oh, sure, I I forgot. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was an accident. Mr. Warren, I gave you the benefit of the doubt last night, and now you're playing games with me again. I warn you, if this is a practical joke... You've got to believe me. Doctor, give me the razor. No, Doctor, please don't give him the razor. The razor's in my cabin. I would hardly carry it about with me. Well, let's go and get it. Oh, thank heavens. Come in. Excuse me, sir, but you did say I was to come back as soon as possible. Oh, yes, the passenger list. Well... Uh, I put all my men onto it. Everyone's accounted for. Every passenger, every member of the crew. There was nobody hurt last night. But we're not looking for someone hurt. 
We're talking about a girl who's missing. A, a girl who's been murdered. No, sir. We checked the entire list. There's nobody missing. They're all present and correct. Right, that's enough. That's all I need to know. Either you two are lying or you're insane. And if I have any more trouble, I'll have you both locked up. Now get out. Both of you. Get out! With as much dignity as possible, we left the stateroom and rejoined Peggy, trying to make sense of these inexplicable events. We felt sure the girl had been quietly disposed of overboard, but we couldn't prove it. That was when I decided to cable Scotland Yard, asking for your assistance, my dear chap. <laughs> I scribbled out a message, and Peggy took it up to the radio room. There you are. London are reading it already. Oh, thank you so much. You've been very helpful. Could I just ask one more question? Of course you can. Far away. You know Mr Warren? You had a cable for him yesterday from Washington. I remember. I had to read it out to him. Yes, but can you remember who else was here? He said there were other people waiting. That's right. We were pretty busy. I think Mr Coyle was here and someone else. A girl. Ah, who, who was she? Did she give her name? No, she didn't stay long. I think she wanted to send a message, because she had her hands full of papers, but she must have changed her mind, because next time I looked around, she'd gone. I went back to try and persuade the captain we were neither mad nor mischievous. I even took the razor with me, but it seemed that he'd already changed his mind. Yes, yes, I dare say you're right. So you agree that this stain upon the blade is... Just uh, put it away, will you? Perhaps I was a little hasty. As it happens, I've been presented with some new evidence. Evidence? One of the deckhands discovered something hidden inside a cupboard on the games deck, where they keep the quoits and shuffleboard and so on. Uh, what did he discover? A bundle of sheets, blankets, pillows, all heavily stained with blood. So I'm inclined to believe the story you told me. What do you propose to do about it? I think perhaps we should join forces to try to solve these problems. First of all, you must come with me to see Lord Sturton, who's threatening to sue me for the loss of that damned elephant. I want you as a witness to explain that I was the victim of a ruthless attack by an unknown assailant. And once that's sorted out, we can try to find the missing passenger who isn't missing. I didn't care for the captain's order of priorities, but I had no wish to antagonize him any further. When we entered Lord Sturton's suite, we heard him in his secretary's room dictating a letter. Kirkwood and Kirkwood solicitors at... Oh, dash it. Well, I know it's King's Bench War, but what's the number? No, oh, wait a moment. Must have it in here. Ah, Captain, this is an unexpected pleasure. Am I to understand that you found the missing emerald? Well, not exactly. I'm sure you appreciate that these things take time. But if you'll just be patient, I've no doubt we shall recover it eventually. Ha! In that case, I withdraw my remarks. Your arrival may be unexpected, but it is certainly not a pleasure. Now, let's be frank. You haven't found the emerald, and you've no hope of finding it. So why don't you say so? If you'll just allow me to explain... No, 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 I will not. No intention of listening to any more rubbish. And that's what it is, rubbish, rubbish! 
that's all you have to say for yourself. You can go away and stop wasting my time. Yes, but your lordship, you remember I said I would produce a witness who can testify that I was not to blame in any way. Isn't that right, Doctor? No, yes, indeed. Yes, I, I can, certainly. No, 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 just one moment. I've never seen this gentleman before. How can I be expected to accept his evidence? Allow me to introduce you. This is Dr. Gideon Fell a renowned expert in the field of criminal investigation. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Exactly. Neither would I. However, you claim to have been a witness to the theft of the Emerald? Uh, certainly. And I can assure you the captain was not responsible. Of course he's responsible. Get his signature on the receipt he gave me. And that'll be proof positive when the case comes to court. But Dr. Fell saw the man who attacked me. Oh... Are you prepared to identify the culprit? Well, no. It was very dark at the time. Yes, I thought as much. <laughs> uh, never mind, Captain. I've enjoyed myself long enough. It's time to end this, 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 this charade. Huh? I shall not be taking you to court. The joke's over. Joke? But the Emerald Elephant... It is safe and sound. Look, I have it here. There, 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 you see? Good heavens. Well, may I ask how it was recovered? I neither know, nor, I, nor do I care. Someone came in while I was out of the room. I found it on that table over there. Well, here's your receipt, Captain. I shall take care of my own valuables in future. Good day to you. You're very quiet today. What's wrong? Oh, it's just... I keep thinking about that girl. Me too. But thinking isn't going to bring her back. No one will ever find her. Not now. Oh, that's a horrible thing to say. Almost as if you were... glad that she's gone. Peggy! You know who she was, don't you? Of course not. What makes you think... You I said you'd seen her before. And I heard her calling you. She knew your name. Look, I've had enough of this. We both know Kyle's the blind barber. I'm going to have it out with him. Right now. Wait, I'm coming with you. Mr. Kyle, I want to... Oh. He's not here. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? Just when I was going to clear this up once and for all. Shush, look, over there. Over where? The porthole's half open, and it's right above that cabin trunk. If I pop the jewel box in, it could have fallen behind the trunk. Here, let me help you. What did I tell you? Better make sure. Open it up. The Emerald Elephant! Give me that. Don't worry, nobody will ever know we took it. You think not? Oh. Captain, uh, I can explain. So you were the thieves after all. I should have known. But why did you have to steal the elephant twice? Yeah, I finally managed to persuade the captain to let you take charge of the case, my dear chap. I told him that you would arrest the blind barber. I'm glad you have such confidence in me, but... Ah, uh... oh, Doctor, we've been sent to find you. Now come in, both of you. Yeah, Hadley, let me introduce Miss Glenn and Mr. Warren. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? I've heard a lot about you. I bet. The local cops are on board and the inspector would like to see you now. Oh, uh, very well. Yeah, by the way, Kurt... You'd better have this. My can of film. It was found in the murderer's cabin. I think it's all there. 
No doubt you'll dispose of it safely. Oh, I will. But you said the murderer. Who? Why, the imposter who claimed to be Lord Stetton. The only person who filled all the requirements for the blind barber. But the missing girl. His lordship's secretary, Hilda Cooper. We saw her come on board with him. But I never met her. How did she know my name? Uh, she was in the radio room, waiting to send some cables for her employer when you... Of course! The radio operator said she had her hands full of papers. Yes, but she was still around. You heard her taking dictation after that girl was killed. I blame myself. We heard Sturton apparently dictating to her in the next room. But we didn't actually see her. Neither did the purser. Oh. Oh, yes. By the way, Peggy... Mm -hmm. There's one small point that puzzles me. On the voyage out, you were wearing an engagement ring. No, you're not. Why is that? Well, as a matter of fact, while I was in New York, I broke off the engagement. <laughs> Thank you. Come on, Hadley. Let's go. Right, after you. Kurt... I'm sorry if I was suspicious, but... I... I'm not sorry. I'm the happiest guy on Earth. Inspector Jennings, Superintendent Hadley. How do you do, sir? Inspector. And this is... He won't give his name, sir. He says he wants to be called Nemo. Nemo? We've already met. Nemo, as in nobody. You're surprised at the change of voice, sir? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a relief to drop the limey accent. No, Doctor. I've enjoyed myself long enough. It's time to end the charade. <laughs> yes, if you're willing to talk. Oh, he's talkative. The past half hour he's told me everything. I've got a notebook full. Yeah, but you'll never prove any of it. Ever since the night they dragged Sturton out of that pileup in Washington, I've had all the luck. What do you mean? Oh, don't you see? I'm a dead ringer for Sturton. I fooled everyone. Yeah. Everyone except you, Doctor. But you were the only possible suspect. For one thing, we knew somebody was impersonating a very important man. The cable said so. It also said he was posing as a medical man. Uh, no. The snag with cables is that there's no punctuation. Now, here's the message as we read it. Federal agent thinks also. Medical specialist on your ship. Man responsible for Skelly and McGee jobs. Now, put in a few commas and you get another version. Federal agent thinks, also medical specialist, on your ship, man responsible for Skelly and McGee jobs. That's the specialist at the hospital where Lord Sturton was recovering. It struck me as a coincidence that Sturton was in Washington to buy the emerald, and I wondered if he might have heard rumours about a certain film made at a private party. Yeah, well, he didn't. I heard the story from one of the waiters, and when I stepped into his lordship's shoes... I thought, well, it might be kind of fun to get hold of the movie. With a view to blackmail? Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. I enjoy stirring up trouble. Which you certainly did. When part of the film was stolen, a mysterious girl appeared, trying to warn Curtis Warren. A girl who later vanished. Yeah, I heard her as my secretary. I was crazy about her. I hope she's rotting in hell. After you'd killed her, you remade the bed in order to make it appear that my companions and I were lying. 
If she were found, she would be traced to you. You couldn't risk an investigation by the police. So I was looking for a man traveling with a female companion. A famous man who collected valuable toys, like the antique razor we found at the scene of the crime. It wasn't a toy. I cut her throat. That was the best thing. For her. And for me. Why? Wasn't she your accomplice? Yes, yeah, she could have been. When she told me about the curious cablegram she overheard in the radio room, I decided to let her in on my plan. Well, I couldn't keep up the pretense with her forever. I was going to say, you're in this as deep as I am, so you'd better stick with me, kid. We'll work as a team. But the little bitch wouldn't play. She was too honest. Too honest to live. Quite so. That was your mistake. You thought she wouldn't be able to resist the easy money. And by that time, she knew too much. Yeah. I even told her how I'd made a copy of the Emerald. I planned to show it to the customs men and offered them a small fortune in duty and wait for them to say, Sorry, your lordship, you've been had. This Emerald is a fake. <laughs> it would have been a big joke at my expense. And I'd scream and cuss and give them a handsome tip to keep their mouths shut. Then walk through without paying a penny. <laughs> yeah. But it all went wrong. Thanks to those goddamn interfering kids. It all went wrong! So when the copy got lost, you had to produce the real emerald, pretending it had been mysteriously returned, and you acted out of character for the first time. You said you didn't know or care how it had been recovered. Lord Sturton would never have said that. You think not? Yeah. Well, it's too late now. You won't arrest me anyway. Because I'm a ghost. You what? You remember that medicine I took half an hour ago, Inspector, for my weak heart? It's something I keep by me for emergencies. But now my heart will never trouble me again. You're talking to a ghost. <laughs> Maybe the blind barber will come back some night with his razor for a surprise visit. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I was afraid you might try that old trick. Which is why I advised Inspector Jennings to change the contents of the medicine bottle. Why, you... You're not going to die a poison, Nemo. You're going to hang. In The Blind Barber by John Dixon Carr, Dr. Gideon Fell was played by Donald Sindon, and Superintendent Hadley by John Hartley. Lord Sturton and Nemo, Patrick Allen. Captain Whistler, Clive Swift. Curtis Warren, Mark Leake. Peggy Glenn, Laura Baisley. Mr. Kyle, David Bannerman. Inspector Jennings, Christopher Wright. The ship's steward, Duncan Knowles. The radio operator, Josh Darcy. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The Blind Barber was dramatized for radio by Peter Ling and directed by Enid Williams. <laughs>